All right, stop scrolling for just one quick second. And if you sell anything, you have to watch this episode. Originally, when I brought Bill Pipes onto the show, I brought him in because I wanted him to give a little bit more detail into what it would look like and what it is to be a top performing real estate agent. What I've noticed is that we have quite a few agents that are tuning into this show in addition to buyers and sellers. So we kind of merged the two worlds by bringing Bill Pipes in here. While yes, Bill is an agent, Bill is also a coach for the elite of the elite within the real estate world. So we go for almost an hour and a half talking through what it actually is to be a top producer. What are some of the similarities that he sees, regardless of if they're in Canada, if they're in North America, wherever they are at, what do top producers do day in and day out? And I think that a lot of the principles that we talk through in this episode aren't specific just to real estate, but are top performers, regardless of whatever industry you're in, whether it's door to door, whether it's tech, whether it's real estate, like the stuff that we discussed are our key value principles. I think for everybody that is, that is a quote unquote top producer. We also spend a lot of time talking about what the market is doing and what it looks like. And one of Bill's biggest pet peeves, I think right now is when people are saying, Oh, the market's shifting, the market's shifting bills of the opinion the market has already shifted and we talked through that in quite a bit of detail we we did our best not to but i do think that we offended quite a few people quite a few people that are in our own industry uh but I think that when you hear some of the stuff that we're talking about, it, you'll understand that it, there was no offense intended. Rather, what we wanted to do is just talk through what some of the best of the best do. Here we go, guys. Bill Pipes. Okay, well, let's jump into it. We got today's episode is going to be just a little bit different. What we're realizing is that there's a lot of real estate agent, agents out there that are tuning into this show yeah. that are listening, trying to figure out what other top producers are doing, right? Part of me is almost torn. Do I change the name from the Who's Your Agent podcast to the 8020 podcast? Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, and I'm sure that you understand exactly where I'm going with that, and we're not going to change anything babe don't freak out she just got me this brand new neon sign with who's your agent on it we're not changing the name but the vibe the 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 direction that i'm really starting to feel called to if you want to call it that is is i want to be interviewing the 20 percent of agents that are doing the 80 percent of the business for sure right and and so I, I as i started to think about that more and more and more i started to think okay who can we have on to kind of come in set that tone just a little bit somebody that works with them, somebody that has been coaching with them for years, somebody that is in the trenches with them on the daily across the country, across You're in Canada too, aren't you? Yeah. Canada. Yeah. I have right now, one, two, three, four, five, about six clients that are in Canada, um, that are, let's see, six of the, no, four of the top 15 Remax agents in Canada. I personally coach right now. So So that was a really, really long intro to say we got bill pipes (laughs) on the podcast today on the, who's your agent podcast today. And it's, like I said, it's a little bit different because you're not currently in production. No, haven't been since about, I think it was 2014, 2015, when we got rid of our team. Um, Brief history, 2008 hit, and I was working with Mike Ferry at the time, who was one of my primary mentors. And when that, you know, that, that correction hit, all of a sudden, I mean, we'd love to say that coaching is a necessity, but when you're going through and you're looking at, do I pay my mortgage or do I pay coaching mortgage? Coaching goes really quickly, goes really quickly. So, you know, obviously we felt a constriction in terms of our business and it made me start to look at and go, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to reactivate my license. I'm going to get this back. And so about that time, so that was around 2010 when I finally made that decision and went through Stringham Real Estate School. Right? For your 120 hours. Well, 120 hours. Yeah. Man. And um, I had some clients that I was coaching because I was still coaching at the time. I'd actually made a move over to Keller Williams and worked with Gary Keller and MAPS coaching at that time, Dana Kokoska, who was leading that. 
uh, was an old business partner of mine. Ironically, it was a spiritual festival that uh, we used okay. to put on, like completely woo-woo, cool, fun, but yeah. not real estate related. But it's funny how past intertwine and, and come out on the other side. But uh, someone came to me that I was coaching, Wendy, I, I can't remember her last name, she was in Tampa, and she said, I'm, I'm getting so many leads right now. So how many leads are you getting? She's like, um, probably about 250 to 300. And this is what year? This is 2010. So prices have just dropped 30 to 35%. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it earlier before we got started, before we started recording, what percentage of agents uh, let their license lapse during that time frame? 30% of the agents got out of the business. Across the nation. Yeah, nationally, yeah. 2008, 2010. And her complaint and is? I have too many leads. Yeah. I, we can't we can't grow our team fast enough, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, because I mean, honestly, online lead generation at that time was something that was still new. Yeah, right? social media wasn't what social, it is today. No way. Yeah, Facebook was just really getting yeah. legs underneath it. It was something you used to use to be able to actually get a hold of your friends that you to keep to up with your high school with. friends. That's yeah. all it was. Um, so I said, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And I said, coach, right? That's one of the benefits is I get to see what the best are doing. I get to refine what the best are doing. The ideas flow to me. Um, and I, she said, oh, I've got, we've got this thing called Boomtown. And I said, oh, tell me about it. <clears throat> so she told me about it. We ended up becoming user number 36 for Boomtown. Uh, I think they've got 3,000 people right now. now. Uh, the majority of top teams, I think, are using Boomtown to some extent. Boomtown's here, Interactive, Y Lopo with follow-up, yeah. like some combination of those. So we started the team. We launched it here in Utah. Utah has one MLS from top to bottom, minus yeah. Park City. We, we created this referral network where I'd bring agents on. Um, we would give them the leads. We'd scrub the leads. I had five ISAs at one time. And Define ISA for everybody uh, listening. It's an inside sales associate, basically okay. telemarketer, right? It's, yeah. it's the real estate term for telemarketer. Right? Okay. And so we, I looked at this and I said, uh, God, you know what? Like, real estate agents hate to prospect. What if yeah. we could just take that off? What if we could generate the leads using Craigslist, right? Generate the leads, scrub the leads, which yeah. I know how to do. I mean, I'm a sales trainer and, you know, I'd been in the business, watched my mom in the business and then turn around and give those leads. We basically, we were running Zillow Flex in 2010. Before Zillow Flex. Yeah. Tripping yeah. over ourselves, trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, how do we, you know, like, um, and my, my ex-wife, uh, my wife at the time, ex-wife now, um, she worked for Cross Country Mortgage with Steve Gorman, right? And so Steve said, well, why don't we why don't we do something here with, we'll take the loans. You guys do the real estate and you know, we collaborate and a we little collaborated. Bit yeah. So, you know, Marcy would get the loans. We would, you know, my team would get the real estate and we, we went, wow, this is great. We partnered with John Ames down in St. George, um, Steve Blankenship, God rest his soul up in park city. Uh, Mark Ragan, uh, Mark Robinson, Dave Reganson. Uh, so you just Sam set up these Beck, partners just all, all over these Utah, ships all over Utah. And then we started crushing it. And, and that know, was in 2010, 2011. 2010, so right as everything's kind of uh, on up. the rebound, right? We're catching that yeah. wave rise that's coming up. Then we, we, we jumped over and we decided to actually do it in San Francisco. I started looking at all the re agent relationships that I have. Uh, from coaching. Nation, from coaching, from yeah. Mike Ferry and from Keller Williams. And so I just started duplicating the model with uh, Alex Lair that was in uh, Silicon uh, uh so uh, in uh, Redwood City and that whole area over in San Jose and Silicon Valley, which was fantastic because think about this. Here we're selling a million-dollar home in San Francisco, getting 35% for it, which is the equivalent of doing a sell here in Utah. And yeah. all we did was generate the lead, scrub, scrub the lead, it, make sure give it's it good. over to them, and that's it. Wow. 
So we did that, went into Orange County, went into San, uh, into San Diego, um, made a little stint in Los Angeles, but we're not successful in that. And then all of a sudden, um, <clears throat> Craigslist, because that's what we did is we used Craigslist, right? And so we had uh, people over in the Philippines that would actually, uh, through logmein.com, would log into the computers. And, the and that was your lead gen? And they just post, post listings, post listings. Wow. And then Craigslist cut that. And so we had Zillow at the time. The model became cost prohibitive, and I sold it to Mark Robinson and Dave Reganson at that time for a nominal cost. So and then went, and then went back into full time coaching. Full time coaching. At and that point. was in what year? That was about 2014, 2000, okay. uh, 2015. Um, and and it was it had gotten to a point where it was really difficult to get booked to go speak for other companies. If I'm working for, if you're repping your own company, yeah, I am. If you're repping your own brand, Uh yep, totally. Even if I never even talked about it on stage, if they go, it doesn't. There's still a grain of salt with everything. There it is. Like, oh god, this great trainers just came in, and now he's with Keller. I should go to Keller. He's he's with EXP. He's with Berkshire Hathaway. Whatever it is that I was with, and you didn't care. No, it's not why you were there. No, and really, you know, the reason, and I was there to actually contribute to the agents, but the reason there was. I don't want to say it's ego, There was, but there was a part of me that was like, I'm going to launch this team to prove to myself that I can still do it, you know? Yeah, that you and still had it in the, that in I the tank. I still had it, and also real estate had shifted so much. I wanted, and I think this is really important because it's the fundamental basis for any coaching or any training that I do is it has to be proven, right? It's not theory because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will theorize what you can do from a real estate standpoint and to be successful. And everything that I teach is beta tested, tested again, uh, A-B been tested, beat up. been beaten up. I have my test group to guarantee that by the time I roll it out to uh, the, the agent population, it's proven. And it's and dialed in and it's it's working in. perfectly. Yeah. And my partner, John Cheplak and Dan Beer are the same way. And like we, we do not roll something out unless it's proven. And so part of me going and doing the business was to, to really get to understand this new world of real estate that was evolving at that time in 2010, 11. Yeah, because everything kind of went out the window all of a sudden in 2008. Totally. Everything everything that was working from 2005, 6, 7, it immediately stopped working almost overnight. Yeah. There were still some fundamentals and some foundational pieces that were. Yeah, there's still fundamental. You still have lead gen. You still have like there's still core principles. But but what was the sales pitch? The the lending requirements. Everything changed. Dodd Frank came in, changed everything, etc. Yeah, and we were moving into a digital world. Park benches, or bus benches. Uh, newspapers, all that stuff. Was I remember my dad away. used to go into the the big yellow house looking boxes and all of the restaurants that would have all the active listings in like a little pamphlet booklet. Yeah. Right? That You don't see them anymore. You don't see them at all. Yeah. yeah. No need for it. Digital. So that long drawn out, that's that's the background, that's the history. And, you know, throughout that time, I, you know, I had the chance to meet a man called Mike Ferry. Um, and Mike and, you know, Mike was my primary mentor. And from Mike, what I learned was the fundamentals of business. Like really, it was my MBA at um, at 24 years old on how to run a successful business. Um, left him and then went over to Gary Keller. And Gary said, "Let me sh- let me show you." I remember walking into his office. It's supposed to be like a three minute conversation. Shake hand. Hour and a half later, um, he had taken Mike Ferry's books. And as I walked in, he said, "This is what you think selling real estate is." Threw it in the trash. He goes. I'm going to show you what it is today. And there's very few people that I think could throw Mike Ferry's book in the trash and say, let me tell you how to do it. But Gary Keller is probably would, one of and them. And you right? would listen. Yeah, right? Gary Keller is probably one of them. 100%. And yeah. then uh, from there, I got the chance to actually partner with Tom Ferry, uh, left MAPS, 
Uh, and, you know, Tom and I, you know, worked together and grew his organization from about 20 coaches to 174. And, and I oversaw all their coaches, coached all the coaches and uh, oversaw the coaching department. And now I left there and I think I'm where I'm going to stay for pretty much until I retire, which is with my partner, John Cheplak and Dan Beer with Agent Academy right now. Well, congratulations, because I know it's been a process. It's been, yeah. There's been a lot that has kind of gone into it for you guys, right? Yep. So talk to us a little bit, because one of the focuses that I want to have is, is give us a little bit more detail on who it is that you're actually coaching, because the average agent that was to call you and say, hey, Bill, will you coach me? You're probably not going to take them on as a client right now. No. So kind of walk us through a little bit about who it is, because what we're going to start to get into a little bit is is traits. And, and there's kind of two directions that I want to go with this, just so you can kind of answer that a little bit more specifically. Number one, um, I, I want, there's a lot of agents that are tuning in, which I absolutely yeah. love, right? That's the reason that I started this show was for real estate agents first and consumers second, right? So for real estate agents, traits of top performers, what they're doing, that's working, what you are seeing coaching wise, cool. we're going to go that direction. But then I also, for, if you're a consumer and if you're looking to buy or sell a house, it's a big investment. And, and this is the second half of why I started this show, because I genuinely believe in what real estate agents can do. Yeah. I don't believe in everything that real estate agents do because I think that, like I said at the beginning, the 80-20 rule is very real. For sure. And I think that 20% at the top is phenomenal. And I think not only are they great at what they do, but they can completely change your life from a consumer standpoint in helping you build wealth and helping you build a portfolio of real estate in a way that nobody else can. For sure. So I want to get into a little bit more detail on what some of the key indicators that you might look for if you were to be hiring a real estate agent today, Absolutely. right? So, so let's walk through, back up just a little bit and walk us through kind of the groups, the teams, the people that you're mentoring, who they are. Yeah. I, I know that like GCI is a big number. We're not even trying to talk about bragging about money, but I just want you guys to understand who this dude is in the chair right now. <laughs> so um, GCI is the measure and it, 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 it's, it's really, I'm going to say this right now for, for all agents that are listening. I think it's a BS measure in terms of success in real estate um, because I know a lot of agents that have enormous GCI and have minimized profitability. Yeah. Their margins are super slim. And they're, and they're uh, right now, they're super exposed to this market that's shifting and changing. Um, but we use GCI in the industry to be able to measure success. So the average person that I coached last year, uh, there was 39 of them in real estate. I coach startups and software companies, media companies, and content uh, creation content companies, creation companies, small plug, mad cash media. Yeah. Let's go mad cash. <laughs> uh, so, um, they earned about 3.5, $3.6 million, somewhere in between there. Uh, they didn't start there, which if you were to go Google, hold on, let me Google it really quick. Do I Jonah? Average, will you, average real estate agent is going to earn about 46 to, I was going to say, will you just Google really quick and say how much does the average real estate agent make? About two years ago, it was 46. That's what I, I think it jumped up a little bit to like maybe yeah. mid 50s. Now I'm, now I'm curious. <clears throat> See how close I am, Joe. Yeah. This says, according to salary.com in Utah. Reliable source. The average, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Just keep going. <laughs> uh, the average real estate sales agent makes from 40 to 60. Yeah, so the average real estate agent there right go. there. Yeah, we were both right. Yeah. Uh, the. <laughs> The we average real estate right. agent in, in Utah, at least, and I think that that's probably fairly yeah. normal regardless of where you're at, totally. somewhere between forty dollars and $60,000. It's about two to two to four transactions somewhere in there. I, like, it, it's not a ton, no. right? I The numbers that we use on this show consistently are that there's almost 28,000 agents in the state of Utah. About 7,500 of those have done one transaction or less that's in crazy. the last 12 months, right? You got 25% of the market that doesn't do anything. Yeah. So walk us through a little bit more about that, who that avatar is for you as a coach. Avatar is a CEO basically someone, someone that's either 
a CEO of their business, meaning that they may still end up be in production, but they're looking at actually uh, scaling a, a larger team. Right? There's three types of teams that you can look at. Uh, and th by the way, for a consumer, th this is uh, you know very valuable as well too to be able to actually ask yourself like, okay. What type of agent do I want to work with? Because there, there's benefits to, to to each type. Like if you want a solo agent, great, man. You know, there's there's, there's some phenomenal solo phenomenal agents out there. Phenomenal solo agents. And yeah. For the agents, there's this whole flight to teams right now to be, to be able to grow and 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 scale and have this team. What I'm going to tell you is, choose by design what it is that you want to do. If you want to be a solo agent, freaking be a kick-ass solo agent. I sell 40 homes a year with one assistant and you know I give the best service that I possibly can. And when you want me, you get me. That's just as good as uh, Peggy Hill and, and Terry Trotovich that I coach that you know last year did you know, close to, I think, 2,000 transactions. Justin Haver up in Calgary that did uh, 3,100 transactions, right? Uh, Veronica Figueroa. I, like these individuals I coach are doing a couple of thousand transactions a year, right? Um, I still have some other producers that are 200, 300, 400, 500, um, and they're doing that by design. But, you know, as a consumer, there's benefits to having the team, Right? There's benefits to having a solo agent. It's just, what is it that you're looking for in an agent? Are you looking for, hey, I want to expose my house to as many people as I possibly can on a team, and they're going to have all these buyers, right? And I'm going to have like an insane support staff that's going to be, you know, taking care of me. I may not talk to the main agent, you know, after they list the property. Or but, once I'm under contract. Or one, yeah, list the property and I'm under contract and have a conversation, but they've got this team, this machine that just takes care of me. There's certain people that, that like that. There's other individuals that, that, that are like, no, you know what, that doesn't appeal to me. I want to feel like when I want to get a hold of the main person, I can get a hold of the main person, right? Okay. And there's no right or wrong. Both of them are successful. Both of them uh, serve serve clients. It's just really what is it that you're looking for? You know? So what would you say? Because there's regardless of where you're coaching, regardless of the market, regardless mm -hmm. of age, regardless of demographic, there's going to be a couple of key indicators, or there's going to be a couple of, of I would say unifying principles. Yep. Right. What would you say some of those are? The, the the top producers that you're working with day in and day out. What would you say that they do on a regular basis? Agent friends, pay attention. There will be more expired listings coming over the course of the next yeah. six months. Yes, right? Uh, consumers, be careful. There will be more expired yeah. listings coming over the next six months. Make sure that your house isn't one of them. You got to expire. And for consumers, because we haven't seen this in so long, and some of you agents haven't seen this either, um, an expired listing is a listing that uh, a seller signs a contract with with a an agent and then six months goes by and the home doesn't sell and then it's expired like a, which at least in our market in utah the average day on market for the last two years has been somewhere between four and ten it's days. ridiculous it's crazy it's, yeah. it, it, it's not real it's unreal it is not real how much of a how much of the lack of communication do you think comes you talked a little bit about earlier you talked about what what business looked like kind of before the digital age right before social media mm -hmm. before everything started picking up how many do you think agents are relying too much like on social media and like just sending them the info and saying hey look through this if you find a house that you like then holler at me dude this is a human business still you know what i mean and i think it always will be and it always will be bots ai do you see do you see this new stuff that uh, the uh, the engineer that got fired from Google. That was creepy. You know, yeah, because he said it was sentient. Sentient. Yeah. Did, you, did you read the, uh, the, uh, some of the conversation? Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. It was, it was it weird. Was, it was yeah. I'm like, this is a, this is a human being. That like its biggest about. fear was being unplugged and dying. Yeah. It was weird. Okay. Still real estate is a face to face belly to belly business. Why do you think that is? 
because uh, it's the biggest purchase financially that almost anyone will ever do in their life. And when you're making that big of a financial purchase, it will never, sorry, Amazon, be a punch a button and I'm going to buy this house. And deliver two days later. Nope. Yeah. It's not going to happen, right? Uh, and plus- And I don't think consumers want that. That, that, and that's why it will I don't never, as a consumer, right? I don't, no. Yeah. Yeah, it, me buying a toilet paper on Amazon, not a problem. Me buying a Phoenix watch on Amazon, not a problem. Me buying a Rolex, there, there comes a price point where you go, there's an emotional tie into what it is that you're doing and you won't do it without a human person to be able to help you, right? Okay. And so because of that, communication is key. Communication, communication is everything. Yeah. And now listen. I'm not saying it has to be by the phone all the time, but I'm saying the portion of it needs to be digitally email, text, use video text uh, instead of text messages. I mean, people love that because they get the 55% of the body. They can see you and you know, like we had a big uh, change in terms of our conversion rates when we started using video text for our team. And I, always push the people that I'm coaching like, Hey, you know what? If your conversion rates aren't where you want them to be, try using some video text with those leads that are coming in to be able to say, Hey, this is bill. I'm a real person back here. Right. You know, would love to have that. Opportunity. I'm the one working on your house. I'm, I, I'm going to help you find this. I'm the I'm one facilitating that's helping this. you over here. Yeah. I know that you're on our website, but there's a real life person behind this as well too. See that right there. I go human being. And so communication is number one, right? I'd say that, that, that that's one of the things I noticed. I also think too, like you hear agents that get frustrated when consumers are like demanding that you should be demanding that. If you're a consumer making this purchase, it is okay to ask for communication. 100%. Even in a market that was as fast paced and intense as we have been in for the last 24 I, months. I will say something about that, okay? Like I want to defend agents as I, much as possible. I, I love the agents. Yeah. Man. Like I, having been one, right? And also working with some of the best. But here's what I'll say. We got spoiled. Yeah. It got easy and simple, mm -hmm. right? And some of the fundamental skills that are necessary for business, not just real estate, got soft for us. And because, look, did you need to communicate with a listing? No. N not that much. Because if you put it on the market within two days. It's gone. Do you know the shit's gone? It's, it's off the market. It's sold. So what are you going to like, what's your listing follow-up? With multiple offers, highest and yeah. best. Yeah. And you get to be the rock star and yep. you just did that for it. And them. you get to brag about how you broke the community average. Uh -huh. yep. Now watch this. Boo. Why the hell my house has been sitting on the market for three weeks? What are you doing? Yep. If without the communication of now ongoing saying, Hey boo, this is Bill Pipes over here with Banana Real Estate. You know, and I just want to give you an update of what we've done this week in terms of being able to market and sell your home, give you feedback uh, in relationship to all of the showings that we've had or not had, right? And make some recommendations. And here's and, why. Here's why I believe. And, or here's every what we're, single read week. Read the stats every week. Yeah. Every week, there there needs to be that conversation and uh, you know moving forward with listings right now. Okay, communication also is you know as an agent. Can they, do they know the data of the market? Can they communicate that to you effectively? Um, are they able to do a strong presentation with you that, that makes you feel if you're a consumer and if you're an agent, watch, does your presentation put someone's, you know, um, resistance down? Does it make them feel at ease? Does it make them feel comfortable? Do they trust you? Do they respect you? Do you have rapport? Right. It really all comes down to the level and the quality of communication that you can deliver, because really, what do you get paid to do in real estate? Think about it. Like, let me ask you, what do you get paid to do in real estate, bro? You, you, you're in the business. You've been in the business for years. Yeah, it, everything comes back to communication. Everything comes back to how I interact with, with buyer's agents you specifically, right? This is it. You ready? Yeah. Okay, and the better you do this, the more money you make. Blah, 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 blah. 
why are you so effective at working with agents that you have out there uh, in relationship to the business? It's because you can communicate. How I interact with What them, am I doing I, when, I, yeah. when I'm handling an objection? What am I doing? Blah, 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 blah. When I'm actually on a listing presentation, blah, 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 blah. When I'm calling a lead, blah, 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 blah. We are in the communication business. And really what communication is, is can you connect deeply with people on a deep and meaningful level? Because if you can do that, then you're set. And you'll sell houses. And you'll and and oh, by the way, you'll sell houses. Actually, you won't just sell houses. You'll sell whatever the hell it is that you want, right? So, well, we love that. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate the TikTok feedback. Oh. There you go, TikTok. Yeah. So jumping back that into was a, it, that I, was a little bit long for no, TikTok. That was perfect. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll cut it down to seventeen seconds. I think yeah. that's like our average that we try to stick in, <laughs> in, in on TikTok. Yeah. Let's get back into it a little bit more about what what cool. it looks like to be a top producer. The people that you're working with. Uh, what people have to do in order to like, if you have an agent and let's say you're, you're on the outside of that 20% looking in, but you're trying to get in there, give us, there's no secrets in that, mm -hmm. right? Get, dive into that a little bit okay. for us. I wish I had something to draw on. I'd show you three circles. I want you to imagine there's three circles in front of me, in front of you right now. In one circle, it says skills, S-K-I-L-L-S. Jonah will do this all in post-production. Great, Jonah. Thanks, post -production, Jonah. This will look brilliant. I can actually send it over to you. In the other circle, it says uh, disciplines. Right. And in the third circle, it says strategies, right? Skills, discipline, strategies. If you look at a foundation for a great real estate business, it is the agents, whether they have scaled and grown to like a large industrial team, uh, you know, like you know, we could name some of the people that are here in Utah, but I won't because I don't want to stack the deck yeah. for any consumer that's actually listening. Right. But we, you know, any major team, they started off when I tell you guys, Hey, 3.5 to 3.6 million is my average, uh, the average production of someone I coach and start there. Start in 175, 200, 300,000. Right. They started at zero, right? They started, they at, started zero. at zero at some point. Yes. Yeah. But what they did is they said, I fundamentally need to build my skills. I need to know what to say. I need to know how to say it in every situation inside of a real estate uh, uh, acquisition of a client on a presentation, right? It goes back to communication, right? Uh, you know, and being able to negotiate, right? I need to, I have to have these skills and like a great athlete, right? You guys had, you had Chris Randell on here who is yeah. like, I love Chris, dude. He's my awesome athlete. He is my freaking boy, dude. Like, yeah. I, I just love that guy. He's, he's my son's football coach, right? Like private football coach. And, um, but I just look at Chris and Chris is like that just like great athlete. And if you watch great athletes, I watch him working with Liam, my son, and they're just drilling shit over and 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 over until it becomes automatic for agents. What does that represent? That represents you got to have your scripts and your dialogues and what you're going to say down to a level where you don't even need to think about it. Because when you don't think about it, Jonah, it's like driving the Porsche, right? Okay. When I know how, if I know the track and I know the car, dude, and I'm coming around, I know when I need to downshift. I know what I need to do, right? It's easy for me. I'm not thinking I'm enjoying and I'm present to the moment. In real estate, what that relates to is I'm present to the client, their needs, their wants, their desires. and that Because connection. the other stuff is all dialed in already. It's automatic, man. Have you ever worked with a top performer, top performing team that didn't have that dialed in? That didn't have their skills dialed that in? Didn't, yeah, that wasn't sharp on all of the... the there's a certain level of this business that is always going to be unpredictable. Every transaction is going to be different to some extent. Every transaction is going to have different nuances, but there's always going to be I will, a I will, certain percentage I, of the transaction that's the same, I'll right? Ch I'll challenge that a little bit, dude. If you're in the business long enough, you begin to see everything. And what the greats do, what Michael Jordan did, he recognized patterns. 
right? Yeah. Okay. St- uh, jobs, pattern recognition, right? That's what he said. If you read uh, the Isaac Newton book, he goes, I wasn't really smart. I just could recognize patterns. In real estate, if you do enough role play, if you put yourself in situations, if you're prospecting enough, if you're, you start to notice, yeah, there, there's some variance, boo, in terms of, of what could happen, but it's an if this, then that, right? Yeah. And the way that you get that uh, in quicker and you collapse that growth curve is through practice of skills. And recently, if you showed up in real estate, not you, you boo, but you, anyone who's in real estate showed up. Dressed anyone in sales rel- in general, relative, right? Well, yeah. right now, dressed relatively professional, didn't say anything too stupid. You're selling houses. <laughs> like, think about that. Yeah. You know? And you'd almost try not to sell something, right? You, you would have to work hard not yeah, to. Yeah, you'd have to, like, give it a good shot. And I'm not taking away all the work that we've had to do in the negotiations and how difficult it was getting buyers under contract. And I'm not devaluing us as agents. But what I'm saying is we got soft, period, as an industry. And that's why I believe 15 to 20% of the agents that are watching this could potentially be out of the business uh, within the next 18 to 24 months. So skills is number one. Every single person that I work with has a high skill basis. Number two, discipline. Sorry, can I ask one other question on that really For quick? Sure, man. You've brought up, you've used the number 175 to 200 as a, as a GCI number. Is that kind of like a death zone? Would you say like, is that kind of like the my dad always says in new construction and building, the toughest spot to be is anywhere from like two to 400 houses. Cause you're not like a full production builder, mm-hmm. but you're not a custom builder at that point either. Right. If you're under a hundred houses, you're usually your margins can stand a little bit stronger. Is that kind of a tough spot where, where agents kind of need to either go. And if you are in that spot, what would you say that like do this to try to push? I would say it's dependent upon the price point of the marketplace okay? Right? because it's more of a transactional number than it is a uh, amount right? Um, I would say an agent that is doing 12 deals a year, uh, is probably getting awards from their office. Yeah. And if there, that, that is, I won't call it a death zone, but I'll call it a decision needs to be made on, am I going to do this and really grow the business? Cause in, in my opinion, if you're going to sell real estate, you need to sell 24 homes a year, period, man. So what's the, what's that first step then? If you are in that space, as, as a doctor, as the coach, here it is. What do you recommend? First uh, thing. Number one, hire yourself an assistant. Yeah. So that you're not doing And that's, the- I think, like, I, I remember the fir- one of the first hires that I made. Yeah. It was hard because you start saying, okay, like, I need this person to make me this much money. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they don't make me $30,000 a year, then I'm going to struggle. I'm going to monetize this. And I'm like, yeah. You start to say, okay, I need this person to help me bring in three more deals this year. Otherwise, they don't pay yeah. for themselves and it doesn't work. And it's but scary. Totally scary. But, dude, all, all change occurs outside the comfort zone. Yeah. That, that's the thing yeah. as well, too. And we'll, we'll circle back around on that when, we, when we're talking about the agents. But So, first is skills. First is skills. Right. But let me go back to, because we're jumping around a little bit. Let's go back to this whole thing with an agent. They need to hire an assistant, right? Um, uh, number two, they need to dial in there and, and optimize their lead sources. If you want to go from that 12, 13, 14, 15, to 50 transactions, which you can do as an individual agent with the appropriate uh, help and staff. Yeah, um, you need to look at your lead sources, look at the conversion rates, look at the cost per lead. And cost be honest with yourself. I think that's one of the biggest things yeah. I see agents struggle with at times. They're not honest with where their leads actually right. come from. And, and so they can't actually dive into it. Right. Yeah. Well, they're, and I'm, again, honest isn't maybe the right word. It's real, right? Yeah. You just gotta get real. Yeah. You gotta get, gotta get raw. You gotta get real. Um, and a lot of people like, so let's go back to again, you're going to go from 12 to 15 up to 25, 50. You've got to treat this like a business. Business is run by numbers. You've got to make decisions based upon numbers. You need to start tracking and monitoring everything that you're doing. Um, I'm amazed how many, and I'm not going to ask everyone that's watching this, how many of you guys have a PL, like a legit PL, right? 
And uh, when I ask that inside of a room, a profit and loss statement, Jonah, like 15% of the people raise their hands. That's it. Of, of people. And these are some successful agents as well, yeah. too. So let's go back to this. So we got skills, number one. Number two is disciplines. Um, every single one of the agents that I've coached have a very high level of discipline. Now, it doesn't mean that they all fit into the same parameter of I'm up at 4.30 a.m. I'm at the gym by 4.45 no, yeah. I mean, I, there, there's a young man that actually lives here in Utah County that you and I both know very well that would get up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning because, and we were just, it's funny, he and I were just talking last week and, you know, one of the most successful agents that has ever been in Utah, right, with a small Navy SEAL team, three, four people, and he crushes it at 300, 400 transactions, 500 transactions a year. Um, and he says, Bill, I love staying up till one o'clock at night. So it's impossible for me to get up at 530 in the morning and still have the amount of sleep. So I sleep into seven or eight o'clock. But he's disciplined on that routine. He knows that he goes into that. When he gets in, he's prospect. he would prospect, et cetera. So um, the disciplines of prospecting, following a schedule, and um, on top of that, um, having uh, powerful routines that they have throughout the course of their day. What do you think right. that, it, I, I know like at least for me, and I am coached by Bill, by yeah. the way. Just want to throw that out there. Yes. I, so I am disciplined, very disciplined individual here. Um, I, I know for me, part of it is controlling the things that I can and not stressing the things that I can't, right? So like there are certain things in my day that if I'm not doing those everything else feels out of whack. What is it about discipline though that you think, why is that a, a unifying characteristic amongst top producers? Because they don't want to waste energy. And when you do not have routines and you're having to wing it, it's energetically draining. Period. I, I would also add too, because I think one of the things that I really started to produce a lot, I felt like I needed to have more of a schedule and a schedule is very different than routines. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I had to have every 15 minutes of my day no. locked in and dialed in. No. That, that's not what we're talking about. No, not at all. And in fact, you know, schedule, a schedule, sure, we can actually put, I mean, go old school and we can say, hey, you know, from eight, you know, like the ideal schedule is this, but really, you know, and have it all laid out from eight o'clock in the morning until time blocking for 12 time hours a day, whatever. That's not realistic. You know? yeah. What's realistic is, Hey, sure. There's the outline, but what are the priorities? What's my routine in the morning to generate, to get myself in the right mindset? What's my routine in the morning to generate business? What's my routine in the afternoon to be able to get prepared for my appointments? What's my pre-appointment routine before I walk in? What's the routine that I have when I go on a listing presentation? What's my routine? To What's my routine for after? For decompressing, yeah. you know, to decompress once I'm done with my day to be able to actually be a great father, husband, mother, wife, whatever. What's my routine? before I go to bed? What's my routine? You know, like then I get up in the morning and then rinse and repeat. If you can string together a series of great routines, you're going to have massive success, dude. That was one of those, like, I felt like I almost tried to force myself to fit in a certain box, uh -huh. right? I, like, Hey, if I'm going to sell 150, 200 houses a year, this is what I have to do. I have to have every 15 minutes of my day lined up. And then I felt myself almost getting anxiety, like stressing Guilt. when I would get 50. Yeah. When I would Guilt. like get behind, I'm like, okay, yeah. I better just skip lunch day so I can get back on track. Cool. Yeah. And, yep. that, and that's not realistic. Nope, and no, the no. more that I've kind of come into my own comfort zone of, of routinely doing the things that I have to, mm -hmm. I've become better at what I do. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. So, so first is skills. First they is have skills, skills second, dialed in. Second is discipline. Right? Discipline, yep. routine. Discipline they have the same routines. things that they do to help keep them yeah. sane, to help keep them normal, to help keep them it. going at a high level. Absolutely. Third, um, third is strategies. They are very diligent in terms of development of strategy of a innovative. Strategic. Uh, they're testing. They're always testing. Yeah. You know, like I, I have a rule with them: ABT always be testing. Um, but that test isn't a. It isn't we're we're changing. It's we're going to test this and see how it goes instead, right? So 
um, strategy. Yeah. Right? How can you test something new? So they do that with all their lead sources. They do that in their and how they're recruiting agents as well too. Right. So they're strategic on that. And you know, like so, everything has a clearly defined plan that they're running inside of their business, and then they're looking at that and tweaking and adjusting. And here's the other piece. I think that that's nowhere in the three circles. The best agents are super coachable. I mean, they are now granted. I, I may be tainted because I'm getting the individuals that are in coaching. So they're that are wanting to be coached. Maybe there's yeah. some, maybe there's some out there that are really good agents. They're like, I don't need coaching, but here's what I'll say. Every single person that I met that is in the position that they're in right now for a high level of production, they've had some mentorship, yeah. mentorship that's taken place in their life. They may not call it coaching, but they're coachable, right? Um, there's I, transformation taking place at all times. I think there's progress. They're they always getting a better quest. Yeah. It. They aren't just like if someone says, I, this is what I, People always say, Bill, how have you been able to do what you do, you know, from, from all the different levels? I said, I'm probably the most coachable person you'll ever meet. Um, someone says to me, and I, I call that my superpower, not braggadocious, right? Um, but someone says, hey, if they've, okay, here's the key. And, and by the way, there's going to be plenty of people, agent friends, that are going to be giving you advice over the next six months on what you should do in the business as a marketer. Oh, you're going to see more gurus, more, oh my more gosh, experts, dude. more coaches than ever before. It's going to be. Because they stop selling. Or, they, can't, yeah, they can't sell anymore. They can't sell. Or people that are in your office who also are the ones that typically don't sell a lot. They're in the office. They're not selling because yep. they need to be out actually on listing presentation by working with buyers. Anyway, um, be very careful who you take advice from right now okay i am highly coachable to people who are producing the results that i want to have in my life if i want to be a good if you don't look at their life and say hey i want that life or that part of life yep. look mike ferry was a great person for me from a business perspective now he's been married four times right so maybe i won't take certain advice from him on on certain areas but you right? came to him and said hey i want to sell real estate I, I actually can't, funny story, I was dating his daughter, right? I was getting my PhD in comparative literature. And he said, I'm gonna run a little experiment. Uh, let me bring you in. My mother was, had been a real estate agent. Let me bring you in, I'll teach you everything that you need to know about real estate. And you'll just work side by side next to me for two years. And then you'll help, you know, I wanna see, I wanna see if I can take someone who's never sold real estate, because I hadn't sold at that time, and teach them how to coach. Well, obviously- So it was more of a challenge for him. He, he wanted to see if he could do it. He wanted to see if he could do it. He, goes, yeah. he said, he was, hey, you know what he's doing? Testing. Yeah. He, he was, was being testing. innovative. He was he trying had, something new. He had his way of coaching with people who had actually been successful or, or semi-successful real estate agents, right? It was called business planning at that time. And he said, I want to test this. Um, there was about uh, six of us or seven of us that went through. I was the one that actually lasted the longest. Um, and then, you know, Ended up going into the business, ended up going into a, running a mortgage company with my big buddy, Aaron Chua, who is an amazing guy. Big shout out to him. And we just, you know, like, but coachable. If, if you want to truly raise the game, don't try and figure this stuff out on your own. Success leaves clues. It leaves clues. And, but, and I but would you, also say, would you, and, and you can either agree or disagree with this. I've, I have never interacted with a top producer that wasn't willing to share what they were doing. For sure. Like yeah. the, the, I'm not talking to people that are doing really good. I'm talking about the, the, the dudes, the people that are yeah. doing the best that they pot, like the people that you look up to within each of whatever industry you're in. I, I have yet to meet one that, that if you go in and you ask them a question, right? if you go in and you try to bullshit them, that will never work. If you're yeah. trying to like, Oh, that will never work. Totally. But if you come into them and you say, Bill, tell me how you're doing this. I've never been shut down. 
yeah. by a top performer. Never. You know, I watched, I was watching something just yesterday. I forget where it was. It was on uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I think it was an interview on YouTube. And it was Chris Rock talking. Well, not Chris Rock. Uh, gosh, he was in Any Given Sunday. What is his name? Uh, um, J- Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Jamie Foxx was talking about him. And he said, you know, here's a guy that you call him and he'll do anything for you. Right. And he goes, we really don't have a, a, that much of a relationship. But I called him up and I said, yo, dude, like, I have a, my daughter would really like, it's her birthday. Would you like, you know, like, I know this is out of the left field, but would you come and just show up for five minutes? He's like, what time do I need to be there? And he stayed for three hours. Yeah. Right. And, the, and so point being top producers, or at least check this out, top producers you want to emulate. Yeah are going to have their time open. Yeah. Right. If someone's closed off and completely guarded, I'm not sure I want to learn a bunch from them to tell you the truth. You know, I'm not sure if that's the energy that I want to actually bring into my business for sure. So, you know, yes. So be like, recognize the successful individuals that are inside your marketplace or your market or your business, whatever it is that you're in, whatever industry and, and be willing to watch what they do, ask what they do and give up your way of doing stuff to be able to at least try that. Cause the success does lose, leave clues, but Hansel and Gretel had to bend over and pick up the freaking breadcrumbs to be able yeah. to actually get to where it is that they needed to go. So no top performer can do it for you. Nope. Yeah. So I feel like I, I'm sitting here like, as you're going through these three circles and I'm like trying to check the boxes, like, okay, do I have skills? Yep. <laughs> right. Like, and I'm kind of going through this. When you and I started and working together, did I didn't I didn't worry about you with skills? Because within like two or three, uh, we did a couple of role plays. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm like, what do you say in this situation? What do you say in that situation? And you're like, well, I say this. I go, no, no. T- treat me like I'm, a, I'm, you know, someone that you're calling. And you did it. And I went, we're good. Right. I could check that box off. Well, so you. I feel like it, you have skills. You have. Uh, sorry. What was the second one? Skills. Skills. Discipline discipline and then the third is innovation and, and strategy and, strategy and innovation. I, I use innovation that's probably like how i look at it right because yeah. i'm not trying to reinvent the wheel i try to innovate right yeah. um I, I feel like they build on each other mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that that all three yeah like like for if, sure. like for me at least i feel like the process that i had to go through to get to where i am at currently i had to get the certain skills down first i couldn't innovate anything until it wasn't a conversation anymore i there wasn't a question that a buyer could ask me that i didn't have prepared yep. there uh, and how did you build that skill you built that skill through, dis- through the discipline yeah, through, through, through the, the discipline, discipline of repetition, repetition right yeah and so which gave you the chance hey i've got these fundamentals down hey maybe i can innovate a little bit let me try this let me make a one percent tweak yeah like yeah. let me let me adjust this and so yeah they are interdependent and they they feed upon themselves or they collapse upon themselves if they're weak. If you're weak in your discipline, your skills probably aren't going to get better, which is going to cause you to stay non-innovative because you want to keep doing the same stuff that you're doing that's safe, you know, and predictable yeah. at a low level, actually. So, okay. So that that's what I've seen, like, in terms of the top producers that I work with is skills, discipline, innovation, slash strategic in terms of their approach. And they're highly, highly coachable. Which is, I think for a lot of people, they don't, they don't necessarily equate those two, Mm-mm. right? Usually the people that you see at the top, but, but you listen to Tom Brady talk, for example, Tom sit, talks about how he can sit there. Somebody can point something out to him and he removes it. It's done. Yeah. He, he's not going to make that same mistake again. Do you know who have the biggest egos? Uh, I would say it's the people. What, uh, what level of production do you think the, the biggest egos show up? If the 20% of business is done by 80%, I'm going to say it's that. 30 to 40% like that. They are really, really good at what they do. And to everybody else on social media, they look unbelievable, yeah. right? They look great. They, I mean, they are 
We just pissed a whole bunch of people off. I know. <laughs> I, I just lost like half of the people that have already been listening to this show. So I'm sorry for that. But you know, but here, here's the deal. You know, what a great thing to recognize. And, and you know what? We've all, I've said this to all my coaches uh, that I coach, uh, you know, back in the day with TF and now with, uh, with Chap is really in the same way that agents could really like sell a lot of real estate in the last couple of years with minimal effort or not a lot of effort because, or at least not a lot of like major like grind and like, I got to get these skills, et cetera, because the market was doing so much of the heavy lifting. Coaches had it really easy these last couple of years. It was easy to coach a top producer, <laughs> right? There's a lot of top producers. Yeah. And, and a lot of coaches took credit for the success yeah. of the agents that when they was really is the market that was driving the success of those agents. Um, I always look at, you know, are my agents outperforming the market and they have by 15 to 20% always in terms of their growth. Right. So the yeah. market may be up 20% in their marketplace, but they're up 40. Yeah. I think the average last year was about a 47% increase in terms of production. Right. So I'm, you know, market average 18 to 20%. I'm proud of that. Right. Yeah. However, um, what I would say to you is, you know, all of you that we just went, Oh my God, do I have an ego? Um, everybody's ego got a little bit bigger during this market. What I think, I think the, to add to that top producers have some of the biggest egos that I, you have to have a certain level of crazy. You have to have a certain level of belief in yourself and in what you're doing, it, especially when like, I, I know that you described them as three circles, but to me that innovation, that like that making tweaks that are specific to your business, to me, that is like that final step or that's like kind of what comes last yeah. right and especially like there's been times i mean even the content creation stuff that we've been working on for the last six months i'm sure to a lot of people did not make sense yeah right and and, and you have to have a little bit of ego you have to have a little bit of of crazy of like no this is gonna work yeah this is gonna this is gonna work so it's not even an ego thing it's a belief in confidence it's a, it's a belief in yourself so here's the other piece and, and sorry I, I checked out where you were talking for a second i have no, to like, okay. oh that because i was just thinking about something that we missed the 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 greats i think in any and it was you reminded me with tom brady the greats in any industry are willing to make mistakes right they're willing to take risks i don't even think they view them as mistakes like i personally don't view them as mistakes i view yeah. it as like seeing something that didn't work you got it and well, that's not and a, that's different than a mistake it's to me it's a learning opportunity yeah. you know what i mean so they're willing to actually take calculated risks intelligent risks um, and if it doesn't work then Cool. They don't. They learned wallow. that that didn't they work. Go, this didn't work. How are we going to adjust this? Do we trash this all together? Was it something that we need to actually tweak in terms of the implementation? Was it like, and so they're also going to pull, I think like even, even the things that haven't worked, uh -huh. I would say I still pulled truths. I still pulled bits. I still pulled nuggets away from those things. Whereas like the whole, the, the plan didn't work. Yep. But these three things I have to have in my business now. Yep. So watch top producer, normal producer. I think that that's just how we can do this. Top producer makes mistakes, learns from it and bounces back quick. Uh, lower producing agent, um, makes a mistake or it's not a mistake, but they, they take an action. That action doesn't work out the way that they want it to. And they will stay down and beating themselves up for a very long time. So this person, this top producer has already rebounded up with the lesson. And this individual over here, God bless them, man, is down there still beating themselves up and not getting the lesson. We have a rule in my house, Jonah, you'll love this. My, so I, I'm, I'm like a single dad now, right? Which I, I absolutely love. I, I love being a dad. Oh yeah. You it's know, like it, it, for like my, my son is 16. Uh, my daughter is 13. 
there is nothing that brings me more joy than driving in the car with my daughter doing TikToks and Snapchatting and taking pictures of us and being goofy, going to her volleyball game all the time. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm up at like 5.45 because Liam's got four of his football uh, uh, friends that are spending the night. They've got a 7v7 up in uh, in Heber or someplace. So I, it's not a big deal for me to get up and get going like because yeah. I love my kids, man. You look forward to it. I'm, yeah. Dude, it, it's, it's what lights me up. So point is, this was point, John, and, and this is something that I wish I could instill in everyone, is, is a household rule that we have, boom, and that's this. I had made a commitment to myself that I wanted to create an environment where my children had the ability and the confidence to go out and take risks because I knew that, that if they're going to take risks, they're going to grow, that, that I wanted them to have that as a habit, that, hey, I'm an intelligent risk taker. So I had to instill them confidence. And I didn't get it right the first time. I honestly was a uh, – we almost had to beep again. I was, <laughs> I was a big jerk to my son when he played soccer competitively for Sparta. Like the drive homes were hell for him. And it, it took me a while. Like I, I damaged that poor kid in the way that I drove him, right? And then I was fortunately able to like – you know, after my divorce, really pivot and start to look at who it is I was being across all areas of my life and, and recognize that with my son, I needed to like take a different, I needed to test a new strategy. I need to innovate as a dad, right? Same things that happen in business. I had to do it as a, in the business of my family. And so the rule that came up was this is I don't care if you make a mistake, right? Like it's okay, like and it's going to happen. It's it it, needs it is a to. foregone conclusion. I want it to. I want you to go out. I That's want you to take some risks. Takes place. Just don't. Here's the rule: don't live in it. Don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. That's our rule. That is like if there's if I brought Liam in right now, I said I actually did this on a, on a webinar. I said, hey, what's our family rule? Make mistakes, but don't make the same mistake twice. I'm like, yes, it freaking took teeth. So for all of us that are running a business, it's the same thing. Take the risk. But, and if, if it doesn't work out the way that you want it to, learn. Tim Grover said this to me. Tim Grover, who wrote Winning, um, Unstoppable. Michael Jordan's personal coach. Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade. Kobe. Um, Kobe Bryant. Uh, uh, Barkley. Uh, the list goes on and on. The right? cleaners. Yeah. The dude is a beast. And, yeah. and he's an interesting cat, man. Like, oh, dude, you listen to him. He's Yeah. He's I've, intense. I've, I spent time with him twice because we've had him at seminars before. And... Uh, he said something. I'm like, okay, honestly, we're in the green room. We, you know, like he's just going, I'm done speaking. And you don't, you don't speak to a speaker before they speak. You speak yeah. to them after they speak. That's always like a funny thing. Like, you're gonna go, hey, let's talk. And you're like, I'm not focused. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're all having lunch in the back. And uh, I said, honestly, what's, what's the big thing about, uh, about all the people that you've worked with? Like, how is it that they succeed so much? He goes, because when they fail, what, what do you do when you fail, Bill? And I go, you get right back up. And he goes, nope. <laughs> I'm like, uh, sorry, Mr. Grover. <laughs> pardon me. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Wrong seat. Yes. My name is Bob Smith. <laughs> so he said, no. He said, when they, when they fall down and they fail, they stay down there for a little bit. And they say, what got me here? What am I learning? How am I never going to be back what here? What am I going to do to make yeah. sure this doesn't occur again? And then they get back up, right? So for everyone that's watching right now and that's listening, watch, if you're a consumer, you take that to the bank for your family and stuff. If you're an agent, you got to take these risks. But if it doesn't work out, 95% of the stuff that I've ever done inside my life in terms of the business didn't work out the way that I expected it to. But it all worked out in the end 
right? So learn the lesson, get back up, innovate, change, move forward. That's what the greats do, right? That's what the greats in any business do. Steve Jobs, uh, the Lisa or whatever it is, like his one computer that he made that was just a complete total piece of crap, man. He didn't shut down Apple, right? The average agent would have probably, oh my gosh, we're going we're gonna to bankrupt now. Here we go. He kept on innovating, kept on innovating, kept on innovating, kept on innovating. So what we see in jobs is what you see in great agents as well too. Yeah. It's perfect. And last but not least, if they're going to grow a team, they have a servant's heart. They have a servant's heart that they truly care about. I think about Kelly Salter, Lori Reeder, Veronica Figueroa, Gordon Tradervich, um, Marty Waite, who I used to coach with TF, uh, some of the other bigger, Justin Haver, um, I'm missing, even some of my old coaching clients that I don't coach anymore, like Tom Toole and JD Lennard and some amazing people, they wake up and they're like, how can I contribute to my team today? What, what can I do? How to, can I create value? How yeah. can I give back? What can I do for them, man? And whereas, and, and, and a lot of them have gone through, speaking of breakdown, a lot of them have gone through, like my buddy, Doug Edrington, like his entire team, 70% of his team fell apart and he had to build it back up. And it's a very common thing for people that are building teams that you have to learn the lesson. Even if you have a coach and the coach is telling you, don't touch the stove. That stove is hot, honey. It's going to burn you. Oh my gosh. But the goal is that you get singed less than burn your entire hand off. Right. And then you don't get burned again. Right. Yeah. And then you don't get burned again. But you know, these individuals that have done so well, they really put the, they look at their, their agents as partners. Right. Um, and not as revenue sources. They're running a business. They look at the numbers. They get rid of those that don't need to be there that are not good partners. If you're running a McDonald's, if you're running McDonald's, boo, right? And all of a sudden the revenue goes down, it's not a good partnership. No. You know what I mean? Okay. If I work at, and you're like, I walk into the McDonald's, it's gross. It's, you know, whatever. It's not following the McDonald's standards. You're going to get rid of that, that, that franchise, you know, that franchisee. The same way that great team member or teams will do the same thing for people that don't fit the culture and they're not good fits. Like we're talking to, you know, our, our buddy over there about yeah. just, just before we started filming this. So, um, put your team's needs, not in front of yourself, but aligned with yours and put your client's needs. If you don't have a team aligned with yours as well too. I, I love the insight into what it looks like to be the top performer, what it takes to get there. Cause ultimately I want to help real estate agents sell more houses. That's mm-hmm. been my focus. I told you that when, when we first started totally. being working together almost a year ago at this point, that was my focus and it will always be my focus. Uh, if you're a consumer, let's talk through, I, I, I want to take the next 20 minutes and kind of talk through number one, how do you find an agent for you? How do you find an agent to, to facilitate this biggest transaction of your life? What are some questions? What are some prompts? Like give them some advice almost on how to interview things to be looking for, like uh, things to be, things to be going over with their agent that they're hiring. Perfect. I think you need to look at it from a buy standpoint and a sell standpoint. I think there's going to be certain things that are similar between the two. So I'm super excited to be talking to the consumers right now, to to those individuals that are homeowners, uh, potentially uh, buyers or sellers in the future. If I'm interviewing a listing agent, what I'm looking at is what is their track record? Also, I, I do want to add before Bill gets into all this, Bill's not trying to get business from anybody right now. No. 
There is built zero to gain. You will not sell a house. You will not help someone buy a house. No, through this. No, so this is completely unbiased. No longer exists. This is unbiased, raw feedback from somebody that interacts with top real estate agents in North America. Absolutely. And if I put my consumer hat on, um, number one, I'm looking at what's their track record. Okay. Um, is that production? Is it, it's, it's not GCI, be, it's not production? Um, like, what is it's it? It's going to be, uh, how many homes have they sold? How long have they been in the business? Um, now, I could have a brand new agent that could trump that because they've done, sold 10, 11, 12, 13 homes, and they may hit some of these other parameters as well too. But I'm going to start at, how long have you been in the business? Uh, what's your track record of success? What are your reviews? Now, here's the tough part about reviews. They're a little bit of BS right now yeah. because if you go into it, but I'm, you know, like I'm going to read those reviews. I'm going to see if they're, you know, how, how realistic they are. Well, I make sure that there's nothing like glaring, right? Yeah. You know, but, uh, um, you know, if, if I all of a sudden look at this and I go, yeah, 2000 reviews and they're all five stars. Uh-huh. Right. Never so, had one transaction go bad. Yeah. And so I, I look for that. Uh, I think number two for the listing for a listing agent is um, I'm going to look at what is their marketing proposal, which did not matter yeah. <laughs> in this last market because the marketing was let's put it on the MLS. And that sucker was sold for 20 to 30 percent above. I'm going to take some price. pictures on my iPhone with my finger in the picture. That's right. In the restroom as I'm in yeah. the mirror coming back at me. And, and it would still sell. I'll be damned. It sold for 30 percent above ass price. Right. Yeah. Um, in today's world, it's what are you going to do to market and expose my home to as many buyers as you possibly can? Okay. Um, that would be number two. Uh, and you think every top performing agent, any agent that's worth hiring, has a very specific marketing plan for each listing? Hundred and ten percent. No, it may be, it may be. This is our marketing proposal that we have for you, right? That we do for for almost all homes because it's proven success. It may not be individual for that. Hey, we do this one for this house and this one for this house. But you know what? They're going to have at least. Here's our fifteen, twenty. 30 steps that we do to be able to actually sell your home. If they don't, what their marketing is most likely is put it on the MLS, put a sign in the front yard and pray that it sells pamphlets, maybe flyers, maybe flyers, in the, in the flyer box. Yeah. You get flyers in the yeah. flyer box, which, you know, can be used for whatever. <laughs> um, but most people are not going to do that. No. So, but I want to know, like, how are you going to expose my house on social media? What are you going to do? How are you going to, um, you know, what are you going to use? E how are you going to email market this out to your past clients into your sphere? Uh, I want to know, are you going to run open houses? If so, how are you going to be able to actually utilize that? And how are you going to be able to actually capture that? And what are you going to be doing with the buyers? And what's your online presence? And how's my house going to be showcased on that? I, I want to know all of that that's going to take place in terms of being able to actually market the property. Well, and that sounds like a lot until you realize that the, the people that are the best at what they do have that dialed into a very, very short 15 to 20 minute conversation, right? It, it does they sound have like it it's going to be like an It, it sounds like a daunting conversation it's and like not. you have to review view these three different marketing plans from three different agents that you're interviewing, but the people that are really, really good at this, that this is a small portion of the conversation, totally. I think. And here's what I'll tell you. Only about 10% or 15% of yeah. the agents out there actually do have a marketing plan. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and this is going to sound odd consumers, uh, buyers uh, for the sellers out there. I would never list with an agent that would cut their commission. Hmm. Okay. Go into that a little bit more because if they're going to cut their commission to get the, the, the listing, that they're not cutting the money from their take home. They're cutting money from your marketing. Uh, uh, possibly, but they've, what they've shown me is 
they've shown me their 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 ability to negotiate right there. And they if, give they, it up if really they quick. were willing to give up their money that fast, right? They'll give up your money quicker. Even faster. Yeah. Huh. Like, I never thought about that. Honestly. So like I, I want in this market, um, I think and believe and have seen before there will be a flight to quality. Uh, for consumers and consumers want to have um, that individual that is a bulldog that can negotiate strong that has a clear strategy for marketing has a track record of success and that uh, understands who they represent yeah oh here's one more thing yeah understands who they represent 100 yeah. i would want to know so, have someone that is when they show up they can present the data of the market to me Right, that it isn't their opinion that they're able to say, "Great, boo." You know what? Let me share with you the reality of what's taking place in our local market today. See, back in January here in the Greater Salt Lake Valley, we had about 400 homes that were active for sale. Fast forward now to, and I don't know the numbers. I'm just giving it to you because I don't sell. Uh, fast forward now till June, we're sitting at 900 homes for sale. That's that's twice as many. That's two times as many. You got it. Okay. How do you think that that uh, affects you and selling your house? Wow, Bill. Well, you know, like, wow, it's a lot more competition. competition. You got it. Let's look at another data point. Let's look at days on market. Do you know what days on market are, boo? No, Bill, I don't. Well, days on market are going to be how many, how long a home stays on the market before it actually sells. It's active. Um, Look back here in January. What was our days on market? It was three. Where are we right now? 11. How does that play in? An agent that actually knows that data. And knows what it means for you as a seller. And knows what it means and can present it to you, Right is actually going to help you to make better decisions in the long run because they're taking the time to be able to do the research and bring it to you. And if you're motivated, here's one of the beliefs I have, a motivated and educated consumer will always make better decisions. But if you have an agent that cannot educate you, you're stuck to the BS media. And if you look at that, you think the whole world's coming to an end right now, man. You know what I mean? The world's, the market's crashing, the market's collapsing. Oh my gosh. CNBC, uh, I turned it on. Actually, they did a really good job, I got to say, where they were talking about like, hey, inventory, yes, is going to go up, but it's still like, they did a really good job. It wasn't like, it's one of the few things, but if you turn on CNN or Fox, either one of them, they're spending it. little. Yeah, they're spending it both ways. And and the consumer, you guys are going to get caught up in that and it's not real. It's not factual. It's done to be able to grab your attention and to be able to actually sell more marketing dollars that they have for commercials. You need an agent, choose an agent that understands the stats, understands the national, uh, 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 the national uh, real estate economy, um, and can present that to you and continues to do it throughout the life of the relationship. That and you continues to communicate with you throughout there that it is. process. There it is right there. Going back to see how it all, it all comes back. So there, it's knowledge. Um, one of my mentors said to me years ago, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Um, I want an agent that's knowledgeable, right? I want them to know the market. I want them to be intelligent and educated in terms of the trends, be able to communicate that to me so that I can then make a decision. So then if you're a buyer, right? And, a- and, and one of my biggest pet peeves, if your buyer's agent walks in and their main pitch to you, I'm about to piss off a bunch more buyer's uh, agents. You ready for this? Yes. If you walk in and your main pitch to a buyer about why you should be representing them is because it's free to you as the buyer. Run. Yeah. 
Totally. What other advice though would you give for somebody looking to hire a buyer's agent? What, uh, what would you be looking for? So I would go back to, there's going to be some crossover, as I said, right? I want someone that is informed and educated on the market. I think if they're like right now, if I look at this market, what's one of the top things I'm looking for is, is my agent uh, educated and informed and can communicate elegantly to me about what's going on in the market. That for me is number one. I've been hammering everyone I coach on that. Like this is your number one skill to control the narrative of your clients so that they understand and can make better decisions. So on both on buy side and sell side, I think that's there. Um, I would go with a buyer that can actually uh, take you through in the same way that we had listing agents sell the like if you're selling your house, a listing agent be able to actually lay an outline. Here's what we're going to do to market your home. I want the buyer's agent to say, here's what we're going to do to be able to actually help you find a home, right? To be able to find that, those properties that may be off market, um, how we're going to negotiate powerfully for you, right? I want them to take me through. So a couple of things. Number one, if a buyer's agent, an agent that's going to represent you as a buyer, does not ask to sit down and do a consult with you, don't work with them. Yeah, because in that consult, just so that you can kind of have an understanding of what that looks like. Yeah. They are breaking down what is important to you. They're helping. Yes. And the best ones that I have worked with, right? And that's all that I work with. I, I, all I do is, is list, right? All yep, I do totally. is, is sell the builder's units. So all that I all that I get to sit back and watch is there are a handful of agents that I could we could sit down and probably name 10 of them that they can come in and they can say, this is exactly what the buyer is looking for. And it actually was. Yeah. Half the time, though, people come in they're like, yeah, this buyer's looking for a four bed, two bath. Uh, they want like an acre. They want like and like $500,000 in Lehigh. And you're like, well, did you tell them that's unrealistic? But they haven't actually yeah. done the homework. Like, they well, haven't done the consultation yeah. to know what that buyer, what is actually important to that buyer. Sure. And if that's the case, then the buyer doesn't have a way to understand like, okay, a third car garage is important to you. It's $20,000 more to have a third car garage than it is a two car garage. That's $150 on your monthly payment. Do you want a third car garage $150 a month bad? Yeah. Oh, well, no, not really. Okay. So it's not that, right? Like yeah. if you can't. So it's not one it, of our top five. So it, therefore that's what, we're going to put if this you're, Yeah. If you don't have a buyer's agent that is sitting down with you to help you understand that, run. They don't. Yeah. I. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's free to you. No. Like, look, and really, what does it cost you? If you choose not to use them, all it cost you was time, yeah. right? Um, but a, a true great agent that works with buyers is going to take the time to go through to find out your criteria as a buyer to take and, and to. And for my agents that are listening, guys, this is like in this world, really important because you're also going to explain the changing market, how it plays for them, how it's still competitive, why it is that it's still, I, I want, if I'm, one of the consumers that's watching right now, I want that person to take the time to walk me through it so I can feel certain about my decision. See, people thrive on certainty. When we are uncertainty, we do not purchase or move forward, period. And right now, if you're not doing a buyer consult or if your agent's not doing a buyer consult with you, you're going to feel uncertain about the decision that you're making unless it's a forced thing that you have to do because of whatever type of life change that you're going through. So number one is, do they know the data? Can they present it to me? Number two is, are they taking the time to do a full buyer consult with me? Um, and I also, I want to add to that. I think not only is that good for the buyer, if your agent's not doing that, they're not a good agent. No. And here's my theory. A really good buyer's agent doesn't want to show you 40, 50, 60 houses. They want to show you three to five. You got it. And if they're really good at that buyer consult, they probably can do it in those three to five. Because they took the time yeah. to be able you saved. Okay, check it out, guys. They just saved you a bunch of time. It, sure, it was a one-hour buyer consultation. 
but it saved you 20 hours of driving around to properties that you weren't going to be interested in. Be wary of the agent that you call and say, I want to go look at this house. And they go, cool. I'll meet you over there. Let's do it right now. Okay. Look for the person that has strategy and skills, right? The strategy of actually doing a buyer presentation and taking you through it. Um, So I look at that and can, and their value proposition that's inside of that as well too. And uh, again, I I may go counter to what some people think, but we're pissing everybody off. So let's just go for yeah, it, man. Here's what I'd say: is in the same way that I said to uh, like I would work with an agent that actually charges a full percentage, uh, like charges a full commission, and not use a discount. I mean, look, look, check it out. Redfin gone, gone. They're laying off people left and right. Disc, the discount brokers come and go in every bull market for real estate. And, and Redfin, you saw this. They're, they're laying all their top agents off right now, okay? Um, because of the fact that people have a flight to quality right now. They want to know someone that is going to actually, that has the skill, that has the ability, that has the discipline, has the background, has the history. True or false? Consumers are okay paying quality. Are you? Yeah, every 100, time. 100%. Yeah. I will pay more uh, to the degree that sometimes people make fun of me. Well, you just bought that burger because it's a $20 burger. I'm like, no, I bought the burger because it's actually Wagyu beef. And I'm not going to be hungry in 30 minutes after buy a second dinner. Yeah. Or I'm not going to be upset stomach after I eat that because it's some crappy freaking, you know, there's this, this is really funny. There's this, uh, all you can eat Korean barbecue over in, in, uh, Murray, Utah. Do not go there. I won't (laughs) use the name, but if you are, backed up it's a great place to go because it will clean <laughs> you out man so we went in there my son and i and a couple of his friends his football friends i'm like it was great all you can eat and um you ate the beef you paid for it twice it, watch it was eleven dollars and 99 cents right it cost eleven dollars and 99 cents coming in and a lot more going out <laughs> so but it was it was honestly you get what you pay for and in this market, especially you will get, you will need to get a higher quality agent and you got to be willing to pay for that. So let's go to the buyer agent. In the same way I said, a listing agent, I would only work with a listing agent that charges a full commission with a buyer agent. I'd only work with a buyer's agent that actually uh, has me sign a buyer broker agreement for exclusivity. You just pissed off like 60% of the real estate agent community. I know I did. <laughs> Well, why don't they do it? They don't because it's an uncomfortable conversation to say, "Here, sign sign your life away to me." And but it's not even sign your life away. It's I'm going to do. I built enough value to ask this question for you to choose me, right? I'm going to be giving you all of this, right? All I ask, and it doesn't need to be a buyer broker agreement. It can just be a verbal contract that says, "Hey, will you work with me exclusively? I'll work with you exclusively as well, too." Right? Yeah, and I think if you're if you're a really good agent, you're not afraid of that conversation. Do you know not that only Canada are you not requires, afraid? Canada requires a buyer broker agreement. Canadian agents cannot work with a buyer unless they sign an exclusivity. Think about that. And we tiptoe around it here. So I want to know that that agent has the strength because if they have the strength to do that with me, look, it's still multiple offers out there. You're still going to have face multiple offers. I want an agent that, that can negotiate with me like that. Right? Can negotiate back like that to the uh, to the listing agent that we're going to I think I, I think that that BBA that buyer broker agreement though also protects the consumer right because if 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 you're an agent and you have two clients that you're working with and one is signed and one hasn't and you have to prioritize one over the other which one's getting prioritized yeah the one that that has actually given me the exclusivity sign your BBAs yeah, you got it man so i look if I, if i made some agents upset good get better you know like honestly um, because if you got really pissed off about anything that i said 
um, there's a really good chance you won't be in the business in, in two years. <laughs> so, you know, and I don't mean that flippant. I mean that for everyone to actually recognize this market, we're in this for three to four years. Consumers, it's a three to four year run at this point, right? But it's not going to be here. Here's what uh, the projectors are. 9% appreciation this year, 4.74 price appreciation nationally next year, 3.75% in year number three. And then we bump around at three, four, three, five. Recession is not going to be a real estate uh, downturn in terms of prices. We're just going to, Jonah, it's like going 120 miles an hour on the Porsche, which I've never done in my life. That's illegal. And definitely not 147 on the 215 <laughs> at like 1 a.m. But anyway, so, and then you're going, at, I'm sure you've never, uh, never, ever, no. ever, ever. That's I don't like, think my car goes faster than 75. By the way, that when, when that car, have you ever noticed that when it, it, it floats, mm -hmm. yours, yours floats. I yeah. remember that with mine. Like it yeah. just floated in a good way something miles an hour anyway good way you're going to buck 20 on the 215 there's this one place on the 215 do you know where it is up in salt lake city um it's over near uh, olympus cove and you come you know the 215 yeah. right so you're coming south and you got olympus cove on the left and there's this area that you get on where there's no other on-ramp and you can see all, all the, the way, way down. down to where, yeah. where it turns mm -hmm. right there and and once you get past this one place you can look over the left and there's no cops. You're like, let's here go. we go. Right. Yeah. So, so I've heard right? allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. But when we're going 120, 140 miles an hour and you pull back to 90, feels slow. It feels like you are creeping yeah. along at a tortoise pace, right? Especially if there's no other cars around you for frame of reference. That's been this market. Well, yeah. Been, and I think the other thing too, you, you mentioned it briefly, but, but, we're going to, even though we are entering as a country, I would say a recession. We're in. It's that, there. We're there. We're there. That does not generally mean that house prices are going down. I think what we have is a lot of PTSD right now. From because, 2008. Yeah. yeah. So for me, as a 29 year old, I was 13, 14, 15 years old. You during saw your 2008. I saw my dad, who was in Ooh. real estate, yeah. come home oh. with a zombie look on his face every night. Right. And yeah. so I think as, as, as consumers, as a 30 year old, I'm looking at this saying, holy crap, every single time there's a recession, that means house prices drop 30%. That's not real. That's four, not that's not reality. Four out of the six last recessions, right? Real estate has gone up. One of those recessions, which was the 2008 Great Recession, it went down because it was it went down like 18%. I, you could honestly it make the argument that real estate plunged. No, that's what yeah. I was just gonna say. It real estate caused that recession. The other one that was in I can't believe uh, it went down 1.9%, uh, yep. right? So that was it. Those two years were the rest. We're at, we're not there. Um, unemployment is still great. We're a third of the inventory that we were in 2016 right now nationally. So you'd have to get rid of 67% of the buyers that are in the market. You have the millennials, which is your, you know, your age demographic, you Courtney's age demographic, right? Like there's 78 million of you guys. You're the biggest demographic in the history All of the United States. at the same time within a 10 year window. You got it, man. Yeah. And, and, and National Association of Realtors said, this is the year, 2022 is the peak year, 2023, 2021. That was the range. So it's still banging. Well, it's, 
slow down? Absolutely, right? That but what it's slowing down to is, is the normal speed limit. 90 miles an hour. We're, yeah. and, and we're not even going the speed limit yet. Like this year is we're at 90. Because keep in mind, when I gave you this year's 9%, last year was 19%, 18.7%. So it feels slow because we're 50% off. Next year is going to feel slow, 2023, because we're going from 9 to 4.74. Then it normalizes. Well, the... Uh, there's two sides to this too, because interest rates were also doing 120 miles an hour on the 215. Uh-huh. Being at 3% is as just as unrealistic as a 19% appreciation year over year. Yeah. So now that you see them five to six to six and a half percent, it feels really slow. Where that is that that's not far from average. No, it's not. It's normal. I mean, mine yeah. was my my interest rate was eight and a half nine percent when I bought you, back I, in nineteen ninety. It, it's always a boomer thing. I feel like I always hear like, you made fun of millennials, and so I got to make fun of boomers. <laughs> Every time someone's like, "Well, when I bought my first house, back uh, in my, my interest day. rate was twelve percent." It's like, okay, boomer. I'm not a boomer. You I'm, paid I'm eighty thousand for I, your house, a, so I don't want to hear it from what am you. I a Gen one. I'm 50 Gen Y. Years old. I'm fifty, so I'm uh, a Gen X. I don't know anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All I know is Jonah's like. 13 years old. Yeah, Jonas, Jonah, Jonah just turned 15. His parents had to sign something for him to come work for us. So. That's great. Child labor. <laughs> okay, well, we appreciate it. We've covered a lot on this, and yeah. so we're super, super grateful. Yeah. I, I Honestly, super grateful for you coming in. I, I think we covered everything in yeah. a lot of detail that we wanted to, so we appreciate it. I, I appreciate it, too. And I just want to say something to the agents. Hey, guys, I mean it with all due respect to every single one of you. If anything that we said or I said actually you know, was a burr in your saddle, good. Um, it's something for you to look at. It's something for you to think about. It's an opportunity. I typically find for myself, boo, that those areas that, that I get a little rise for myself when someone says is an area that I have as an opportunity for growth. You know? That I need to improve on. I need to improve upon or yeah. just something to be able to look at as a, as a, a hmm, as a hum. So all I wish for the agents is this. You guys have massive success. I'm on a mission, bro, that I want to minimize as much of the fallout of that 15% as I possibly can. So, you know, anything we can do to help, um, obviously reach out to me. Um, For the consumers, there's some great agents out there. Boo is, I mean, the fact that you're doing this is such a contribution to the Salt Lake, uh, uh, you know, uh, Provo, Utah, Davis County, just so amazing that you're Remind doing me this. to tell you how I figured out how we're going to go multiple states pretty soon here too, starting in July. You and I talked about it already. Did we? Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, we already had that conversation. Yeah. I I'm excited. I, th- I think it's a brilliant idea, man. And I think it's great traveling for you too. It'll be fun. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you get to do that. Um, but there's some great agents out there. Take the time. Um, just because they're your aunt, uncle, nephew, cousin, friend, cousin, friend, right? That doesn't qualify them to actually sell a home in this market. And just because they may have been successful to some degree in the market, the last two years, if they can't codify their value proposition, they can't codify what they're going to do in their strategy. I'd keep looking to tell you the truth. There we go. We're going to end it with that. Cause that was perfect. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, brother, man. I appreciate it. That was fun.